Proudly presenting Camp Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's first and only DIY punk rock summer camp, September 1st through 3rd in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Come camp with us for three nights of non-stop punk rock all weekend long, with over 40 bands and tons of activities. Tickets on sale now at camppunksylvania.com. That's camp, P-U-N-K-S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A.com. See you there! Welcome to Your Life the Mixtape Rewind. Welcome to Your Life the Mixtape Rewind. It is everything you love about Your Life the Mixtape, except this is all very specific to certain decades in music. I'll be joined by some of my most favorite guests uh, from the past three series of Your Life the Mixtape, and we will talk about the music of the 80s, 90s, and the first decade of the 2000s. This week, I am joined by someone who joined me on Your Life the Mixtape way back in volume two. Uh, she is one of my favorite people in the entire world. Uh, she is a political fundraising powerhouse. She Woo-hoo. is hilarious. <laughs> she, she knows music just as good as I do and even better. She just is I'm older <laughs> <laughs> by like 10 minutes. Um, she okay, is 10 years. <laughs> She is the beautiful, the wonderful, the amazing, the national treasure that is Michelle. Hey, everybody. And Greg, one of my favorite people of all time. One of the best people of all time. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome back uh, to Mixtape Land. Oh, it's so much fun in Mixtape Land. I never want to leave. (laughs) (laughs) So listeners, uh, as you have been listening to Your Life the Mixtape Rewind. Um, Each episode has been committed to a singular decade, uh, the 80s, the 90s, or the, you know, first decade of the 2000s. Uh, We're going to switch things up uh, since this will be the last episode in this series of Rewind. Michelle's going to do all three. I'm greedy. I want it all. You can't just, you can't keep me away from music, especially (laughs) Of these decades, I'd have to say 80s is my favorite just because I, I mean, I'm Gen X, so we love the golden era of MTV as our jam, right? But um, 90s was so good for old school hip hop. And the 2000s, I have to say, I had to Google a little bit because, you know, I'm at the mom stage now where I only hear the really kind of pop songs that come on the radio when I'm driving my daughter back and forth to work. I'm not really in that world in that pop culture world the way I was in my, you know, teens and twenties. So, um, but let's do this. I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. 
So diving right in, tell me, uh-huh. what is your favorite song from the 80s? Well, we covered this the last time I was on mixtape, so I'm not going to, you know, lie or change my answer. I'm still a walk this way, girl. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. For all the reasons I said before, um, you know, it was one of the first rock rap hybrids and it gave everybody permission to listen to everybody else's music. And, you know, I think for the kids who didn't grow up with MTV, you can't possibly know what it what, what that meant to our teenage culture at the time. Because it was, it made us universal, right? Um, in a way that coming out of uh, Jim Crow, you know, the the generation before us, my mom's generation, their culture was very black, white, segregated, and sometimes the white kids would come over to black culture for Motown or whatever. But the black kids rarely went over to the white kids, you know, um, maybe Elvis, but that was really because <laughs> he was kind of imposed on people, right? It wasn't right. something they did willingly. Um, and so Walk This Way was really a seminal moment for that, you know, hey, this belongs to all of us because Aerosmith was theirs and and Run DMC was ours and they were all together and they literally, I mean, in the video, they literally knocked the wall down, right? And yeah. that was some heavy symbolism there, but that's what they did. So I still love that for that reason. Now, when we go to the 90s, I picked You Ought to Know. Because Alanis nice. knocking doors down, Alanis made it okay for women to be angry, right? <laughs> to be angry and to be sexual and to sing, scream about it at the top of your lungs. That was another kind of wow. That this has never happened before. So, um, so yeah, you got to give it up for her. And the two thousands, I'm sticking with In the Club. That beat just does something to me <laughs> on a molecular level, and I don't even like Fifty Cent, but. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I love that song. That's fantastic. Those are those are all very solid picks. Well done. Thank you. Um, in your opinion, uh, what artists ruled the eighties, nineties, and two thousands? Wow. Okay. So the eighties, it's kind of all over the place, right? Because it was Prince. And then Michael came and stole the title from him. <laughs> and then Whitney and Madonna, you know, I mean, you gotta, you got, you can't do the 80s without those four. You just can't. Um, the 90s, I'm gonna say Garth Brooks, because especially for a country artist, he was every freaking where. He was on SNL, like he was getting played on black radio stations. You know, he had a special that was on primetime. And think about what it takes for a country artist to go international and interracial like that. That's, that's a lot. That doesn't normally happen, right? Um, and then the 2000s, I mean, it's, it's been Beyonce and Rihanna's world, basically, since they've stepped on stages. And, you know, they keep taking the title back and forth from each other, even though all the Grammys go to Adele, <laughs> who I also love. But <laughs> so, yeah, um, those are my artists. I love that. Yes. Uh, what what are your underrated bops from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s? Now, the 80s, this one I just heard like last month and I forgot how good it sounded. And like, I feel like this song could be a hit if you re-released it today. You'd have to change, you know, maybe put a little bit more bass in it and make it a little more hip hop friendly. But um, it's just such a good song. C'est La Vie by Robbie Neville. Nice. That song is so good. Like, why wasn't he a bigger star? <laughs> <laughs> Ew, that wavy hair. 
Um, and then this one, this is going to sound really weird, probably coming from me, but I don't think I appreciated it in the 90s when it was first released. But I've heard so many great covers of this song that I just appreciated on a musical level now. Creep by Radiohead. Oh, nice. Yeah, like I liked it and I like Radiohead. You know, they're more kind of an undercover kind of alternative band. But um, but somebody redid Creep like as a ballad and it was just like the most heart wrenching thing I yeah. ever heard. <laughs> and I didn't realize there was that much to that song until I heard the, the arrangement change and it just put a whole different spin on it. Like it wasn't like some sullen, you know, artsy fartsy kind of goth, you know, what you think of with Gen X, the, <laughs> the alternate kind of Robert Smith type dude, which is how I originally heard the song. Yeah. But to really hear it as a kind of heartbreaking kind of, you know, I don't belong here kind of, you know, thing just that's, you know, in based in real sadness and a real feeling of alienation. It just did something to me. I'm like, whoa, OK, <laughs> I get it now. Um, and then for the 2000s, Norms Barkley, crazy. I love that song. Nice. Um, it's such a great song. It's such a great video uh, with the Rorschach test. And that's kind of yes. what everything is now, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, I, those were my underrated bops. I love that. Um, I, I recently, and I, I forget who it was, um, I have heard um, a cover of Crazy by Gnarls Barkley that's turned into a ballad much oh, wow. like Radiohead Creep and it takes it to a different level. Different place, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, right. yeah. I, I love it. I love it when people play with songs like that and like uh, we talked about it in the other direction with us on the last episode with Sharon walking in Memphis, how, mm -hmm. you know, she put the beat behind it that gave it a life it didn't have other otherwise. And so I think that's interesting to, you know, make to, to find the fun side of a ballad or to find the ballad side of, you know, of, yeah. of a different song. That's, that's really cool. Uh, what films from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s had the best soundtracks? Now, the 80s and 90s, I think, have soundtracks from the 2000s. It even took me forever to even think <laughs> of a good soundtrack from the 2000s. Um, but uh, the 80s, I think that was kind of the golden era for soundtracks. But of course, I had to go with Purple Rain. But um, Footloose is up there, too. Um, and, I, and the thing about Purple Rain, of course, Prince is a genius and the songs made that movie, you know, that's an obvious choice. But why I put Footloose in the running too is it's another thing where we were saying about uh, permission to listen to everybody's music. That Footloose soundtrack has a little bit of everybody on it. It's uh, like Denise Williams, it's Kenny Loggins, it's, you know, it's got rap and R&B and, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of a pick your poison kind of thing. Shalimar, like who would have Shalimar and Kenny Loggins <laughs> Thing, right that doesn't happen <laughs> I mean we would but I mean, like... yeah, right? <laughs> um and then of course you know Kevin Bacon moving his little booty in that movie <laughs> yes yes um and for the 90s boomerang soundtrack that Ooh. had a hold on me I mean nice. just the PM Don song alone right <laughs> I mean, the, the Boomerang soundtrack still has its foot on my neck to it this does. day. And I think that was our first taste of Tony Braxton, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, and so, and of course, you know, that's just such a cultural moment anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, with uh, Eddie Murphy and and uh, Grace Jones is Strange who steals the whole thing. <laughs> Um, and for the 2000s, I went with Black Panther because I just felt like I had to for the culture. That and is it was correct. Really kind of the only soundtrack I could think of that was like a soundtrack soundtrack. You know, I mean, a lot of I feel like the 2000s, they're, um, you know, it's so single focus, like focused mm-hmm. on just singles. And um, and you don't get those collaborations the way you used to with all A-list artists doing their own thing or even releasing songs from their album, lending them to the soundtrack. That doesn't seem to happen as much anymore because of the business side of things. Yeah. So I think it's really harder to, uh, to make a good soundtrack now. And they managed to do it. Yes. It, uh, the, the Black Panther soundtrack is very reminiscent of what the... Um, like Batman Returns and Batman Forever and Batman and Robin soundtracks were where it was like these songs are for this film and this film alone right yeah um and I I think um you know there there's advantages to that It, it usually sounds a lot more cohesive but then it also tends not to make as big a splash right because it's so connected to that time and place and movie it's not something that just feels universal that you can just get into because it's saturday right yeah (laughs) um who are the most underrated artists of the 80s 90s and 2000s now i took this three i took this um question seriously and i actually went looking for black women artists specifically because we know black women get overlooked generally speaking but i was thinking who are the black female artists that should have been bigger in each of these eras and so for the 80s i have climax and i love climax and the fact that there were these black women who wrote their own songs and played their own instruments. Like, I don't even remember. I don't think I've seen that before or since, to be honest, you know? Um, And they had such great songs. And um, I mean, just menopause, especially now that I'm perimenopausal, (laughs) I'm getting the pun a little bit more and it's making me laugh. Um, (laughs) And it's just got such a great beat and meeting in the ladies room and stuff. Just all the, their songs are classic and they had ballads too. And, you know, they had pipes and, um, you know, what can I say? I love a girlie that can play the guitar too. I love that they played their own instruments. And kind of on those lines, even though they were huge in the 90s, I still think In Vogue could have been bigger than they were. Yeah. Um, if not for all the internal fighting and breaking up and changing of membership, right? <laughs> but Destiny's Child did all that. And they were still the biggest thing in music. In Vogue could have been Destiny's Child before Destiny's Child was, and yes. they weren't. Um, and then for the 2000s, Esperanza Spalding beat Justin Bieber for Best New Artist. And have we heard from her since? <laughs> like, where did she and her glorious Afro go? Yeah. <laughs> she is, Esperanza Spalding is one of the greatest guitar players alive yes. today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, uh, Prince was enamored with her um, mm-hmm. and her playing and helped to, uh, helped her career along behind the scenes. He did that for a lot of uh, Black women artists. He did it for Lizzo and mm-hmm. um, and Janelle Monet. Um, you could always kind of tell who the next big thing was going to be based on who Prince was in the studio with. 
Yep. Because he picked his projects and he only picked the best. <laughs> yes. Yes. If aliens landed on Earth and asked, what is the music of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, you would play these songs? Um, for the 80s, I would play Synchronicity by The Police. Excellent. Um, for the 90s, I would play Hold On by In Vogue. Excellent. And for the 2000s, I would play Drop It Like It's Hot from Snoop. Hell yeah. And the aliens would take Snoop back because you can't tell <laughs> ours originally. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I, what songs from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s best summarize what love is? Okay, well, I'm sticking by my most excellent answer for the 80s, which I gave in the previous broadcast, which is Stevie Wonder as, as and Knocks Me Off My Feet. Stand yes. by those as, as for the poetry and Knocks Me Off My Feet for the single best sentence ever written about mm -hmm. love. I reach out for the part of me that lives in you that only our two hearts can find. I stand by those. Um, for the 90s, I would say, how do I live without you? Um, Diane Warren wrote that song and it was a hit twice with two different singers. Um, Leanne Rimes was originally supposed to sing it and did and did an excellent job. She was so young at the time that the producers of the movie it was on the soundtrack to thought, oh, well, we could use a more mature voice or to make the song more sort of believable, right? So then they got Trisha Yearwood, who also has an incredible voice. And, you know, the songs are beautiful, no matter who sings them, you know, they tear at your heartstrings. But, um, and I think when you have two different artists at such a high level do two different versions of a song, you really get to hear what the song is, right? Because, um, you know, people's interpretations are so different, but there's something about that song that's heart-wrenching, no matter who sings it. And it's, uh, it's interesting about, about that song and the, the two artists that did it. Leanne's version feels more at the beginning yes, of a love story. Absolutely. And Trisha's There's is more at the there. end and, of the yes, love story. Yes, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, and that's, I think, why they wanted Trisha's version for the movie, because they wanted a more mature yep. version of that. Not that there's anything wrong with being innocent or immature, right? Right. <laughs> You know, and Leanne has got such a beautiful voice. Like if we're just comparing voices, I think I prefer Leanne's voice, but um, Trisha has a storytelling ability that mm -hmm. you only get with experience and life. And, and that that's an important thing to bring to this to song storytelling. People seem to forget that piece of it, but I come from the world of theater. So musical yeah. theater, that, so that's what draws me in. I would rather hear a singer tell, tell me a good story than hit every note perfectly. Yes. Um, and so I have that one. And also Missing You, which is going to sound weird because it's kind of, you know, a dance song. But I miss you like the deserts miss the rain. Like, yeah. come on now. <laughs> Who doesn't want that said about them? True. Um, and then for the 2000s, Love on Top. And I, I love the song. I love the harmonies. I love the choreography. But also... You know, by this point, we knew what was going on in Jay and Beyonce's relationship. And they, you know, don't let us in on a lot. But we know that they had overcome his infidelity and had had miscarriages or whatever. And so this is also when she announced that she was pregnant with Blue Ivy. So that song just reminds me kind of of their journey. Um, 
So it's not just the the love song, but just the, that peek into their lives, right? And that the stuff is real. Um, so that, that's got a special place in my heart. Plus, um, I'm kind of a ham, and, and that's a popular song at karaoke. And since I'm a soprano, by the end of it, I'm the only one that's still singing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's, you know, that's another selling point for the song. Like, what song in the last, like, 30 years has had 97 key changes? Like... Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I think that kind of, you know, Maybe she did it on purpose. I'm sure she did because she's brilliant and a Virgo. So you know how they are uh, just yes. about everything. But I mean, that that suits a love song, especially a love song about a relationship like theirs, right? It, there's lots of key changes. <laughs> <laughs> really high ones, and really low ones. Um, so yeah. On, on the flip side of that, uh, what are the best breakup songs of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s? Well, the 80s, I was all about Jody Watley looking for a new love. You were goddamn right. I mean, <laughs> my God, whenever I broke up with the high school boyfriend, that song went on in my tape recorder, you know, dating myself there. But like my, my it really literally got eaten, I think, by my boombox. <laughs> I had to play it so much. Um, yeah. But um, and then for the 90s, I mean, cry me a river, Justin reenacting his breakup with Britney. Come on now. I mean, I was a little old for all of it back then, but even I was intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> it was the story. It was. It absolutely was. And then um, for the 2000s, irreplaceable. Um, nice. And to be honest, I as much as I love Beyonce, I think I like the country version. Sugarland has got a really good version of irreplaceable. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm to check that out yeah jennifer nettle so she's got a voice she has got a fantastic voice she's yes. got a voice yeah and she's got the attitude that sells it yeah right um so yeah again with um uh, you know sometimes when people put a different spin on something you hear how good the original song is yeah um you know so it, it grabs me in a way and with the with her twang and with her sassiness that made it a little bit more playful right yeah um and a little more attainable because of course beyonce is can sing irreplaceable beyonce is like you know <laughs> the fantasy girl right but jennifer's more like a regular girl so i could relate and put myself into her place with it right so there is um there is a country version of the uh jordan sparks song no air that's done okay. by a black country artist named Reese Palmer. Okay. It changed that my fucking life. Reese Palmer. Yeah. It it changed my life. So oh, wow. I'll have to highly, look that up. highly I'm recommend. Big, I'm a big that. Mickey Guyton fan. So yeah. I, I like um I am for the black yeehaw takeover of country music, which was ours to begin with anyway. Yes. Um, yes. Ken Burns has a really good documentary on that that talks about country, Ooh. the beginnings of country music and and its roots in Appalachia and Africa and, uh, you know, all these people meeting mm. in the South. It's really good if you haven't seen it. I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, this, this is probably the most controversial question of <laughs> the whole set. Um, so tell me, what are the greatest music videos of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s? 
Okay, well, anybody who answered for the 80s and didn't say thriller is lying. <laughs> because I can't even explain to you, even if it's not your favorite, you have to understand that this was appointment television. They would announce when they were going to play thriller on MTV. You had to get your tape and the VCR ready so that you could record it. And then you would watch it 10 times to get all the choreography down because the next school dance or wedding or whatever as soon as it got played, everybody was going to rush the dance floor and do all the choreography from the video. <laughs> yes. And that's what happened. And people were recording it off of wherever. And then people who didn't have VCRs had to go over to their friend's house who did have VCRs or who did have MTV to watch. And they would have watch parties and whatnot. And so I don't know of any other video where that happened. There wasn't one. That, no. it, that's the only one. <laughs> um, you know, Michael couldn't even get that to happen again. And he was Michael, like yeah. trying to make it happen with other songs and other videos, but it just, Thriller was just it. Um, I mean, and it even had its own making of movie, right? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> um, and so, uh, so Thriller for sure. The 90s, no, I went with the sentimental one for me. It's not the greatest video in terms of production or any of the other things, or even in terms of choreography. But for me, it was just this joy of seeing this part of my culture being represented in a way that I'd never seen it represented before. And that was Debut by EU, where they had that nice. big party video at the HBCU. Now, I didn't end up going to a historically Black college because I got better scholarships to go where I ended up going. But my husband did. My husband was on the drum line at Morehouse. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it just reminded me so much of all of my friends who did get to have that experience and would always show me the pictures and describe it to me or whatever. And I felt like I was there with them having that Black joy, right? And celebrating our culture in that way. And so that was my favorite video of the 90s. Um, now for the 2000s, I went with Lemonade because it's a whole visual album when people yes. aren't even doing visual albums like that anymore. Like it made me want MTV so that I could watch this kind of content. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's probably breaking the rule a little bit because it's not just one video, but I mean, it's Beyonce. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if you're like me and you played them all back to back, technically right. it is one video. I mean, it so. really is, right? She's really good at the continuity thing, even with her newest album. Um, what is it called again? Renaissance? Renaissance, yeah. Yes. She needs to get her foot off our necks, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what television shows from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s had the best theme songs okay well 80s i'm sticking with my family ties answer because i love denise williams and johnny mathis singing together so um there's that for the 90s i picked living single um just because what that show means to me but also just you know that that show sounds so 90s this you know yeah. it does and um for the 2000s, I cheated a little bit. I don't think this song, it's not about the soundtrack per se, but this uh, this show had the best, uh, not about a theme song, I mean, the show had the best soundtrack. Raphael Sadiq was musical director for Insecure. Oh, and nice. every song on there was like just brilliant. And it's usually lesser known artists and songs you haven't heard before. And so I just like, 
I felt like I needed a way to acknowledge that because Insecure didn't have a traditional theme song, but it did have really, really good music in every episode. I like that. I'll allow it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And we should also just acknowledge Raphael Sadiq. I mean, my God, that man is beautiful and brilliant. I don't know where he and Pharrell are hiding the fountain of youth, but (laughs) 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 I'm going to follow them and find it. Absolutely. Um, So what songs from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s did you have no business listening to at your age at the time? All right. Well, it's funny because at 2000s, I've been an adult, so I can technically listen to anything, right? But the 80s, for sure, I had no business listening to stuff. And and almost every song you think about in the 80s, where they're talking about sugar or horses or whatever, it's, it's about cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Like when you say pour some sugar on me, he doesn't really mean sugar, right? <laughs> so along those lines, I picked White Horse because uh, they used to kill that song at the <laughs> dances and whatever. And and I mean, that song is, if you want to ride, don't ride the right horse, ride the white pony. It's, hey, kids, don't do heroin, do cocaine. That's right. That song. <laughs> I had no business listening to that in junior high. Um, anyway, um, and along those lines, as we lay, I mean, I remember singing that song. Every little black girl sang that song because it was played on stations everywhere. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> why am I singing about sleeping with somebody else's husband at 10? Yeah, so, uh, but I didn't know what I was singing about. I was just trying to hit those notes. Um, the 90s, I just was talking to my friends about this because, uh, you know, there's that Instacart commercial that plays No Diggity. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, um, that song is about sex work. And when he says bag it up, he's not talking about bags. He's talking about condoms. Yeah. <laughs> so that cracks me up. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure why all of us were singing about <laughs> sex work either, but yeah. And in the 2000s, what's that song? Oh, God, it's so I love Lil John, but that song to the window, to the wall, to the oh, sweat drops yeah. off my balls. <laughs> yeah, I don't have balls. I have no reason to be singing that either. <laughs> um, what are the songs from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that you're embarrassed to still know all the words to? Oh my God, for the 80s, it had to be I Need Love, LL Cool J. Um, you nice. know, so at 15 or 16 trying to lay a rap on somebody and and we were so obsessed and and that song will come on and me and my husband will drop everything and just go back and forth and my daughter our daughter will just be embarrassed and scream and leave the room um and in the 90s I mean I was too old for the boy band craze like my boy band was new edition but that was before boy bands themselves became kind of their own thing Um, And so I was, like I said, I was too old, so I was kind of jaded about it. But I mean, even as much as I claim to not like boy bands, I know all of those songs. (laughs) (laughs) Pick one, you know. Uh, So uh, I think I picked put down. I want it that way. But I mean, it's pretty much all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then for the 2000s, Call Me Maybe got stuck in my head and uh I hate to even mention it because now it's going to be there again. And I don't even like the song, but I dare you to not know it, right? Right. (laughs) Every fucking word. Every word. It was everywhere. 
Yes, it was. Who were your favorite MTV VJs of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s? I feel like I can only answer this question with the 80s because I don't even know if there are VJs for the 90s and 2000s. If you turn it to DJ, I might get an answer, but um, definitely Kurt Loner um, because I felt like he brought it, he was a little bit older um, than us. I think he's Jen Jones, whereas we're Gen X. Um, but he also was well well respected in his field, so he was quite the get for them in yeah. terms of uh, being a music, an actual music journalist, and and really doing interviews that got to the heart of stuff. And um, and it um, you know, kind of made people take it a little bit more seriously. You could get a little more depth in depth information about it, and then a lot of them were just so annoying. Like I could tell you, my <laughs> was Kennedy. My God. Wow. <laughs> she hits a particular nerve that nobody has since maybe elizabeth hasselback but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or megan you... she's like in that area yeah but you knew that when kurt loader came on that screen some serious shit had some gone shit down gone especially down. <laughs> like like they, they cut, has died and <laughs> right they cut into programming and you yeah, saw and kurt loader's face kurt your Cobain first thought was who's like, dead yeah. <laughs> it was like the dan rather of the mtv world yes uh what are the songs from the 80s 90s and 2000s that just have to be played at max volume well super freak <laughs> It's got to be played at max volume. Um, and then that can be a cheat for the 90s too, since MC Hammer sampled it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but I went a different way for that. The Bill and Ted soundtrack, Bohemian Rhapsody, even though it's a 70s yes. song, was re-released in the 90s. And you have to play it at max volume. And whenever we do, we start doing the head thing and then throw our neck out or back out. Or <laughs> yes. Um, and then of course, Family Affair, Mary J., you know, you don't need no hateration in the dancery. So, yes, excellent, <laughs> excellent. And I, uh, Nicki Minaj has actually actually uh, just sampled uh, "Super Freak" on her new oh, song. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, that suits her. <laughs> it's and and it's it's good. Like, oh, good. It's fantastic. Is she still beefing with everybody, or is she getting secure in her arts and her um, art? talent now because she's too talented to be doing all of that drama yeah um i think i think i feel like that motherhood has been good for her that's good so shout out to nikki yeah shout out to nick uh what singers of the 80s 90s and 2000s have or had the best voices well for the 80s it was definitely whitney houston and michael jackson um, I might throw Donny Hathaway in there too. Um, I, I see him more as a seventies artist though, even though he's still making uh, yeah. songs in the eighties, but, um, you know, it's a pity now that, uh, the drugs have gotten so much better to treat mental illness. If they'd had them back then, he might still be with us because he had such an incredible talent. Um, but yeah, um, but Michael Jackson, I think, um, even though Donnie has a better voice, Michael's music was just everywhere in the eighties. And then, you know, he's got, uh, and Michael's voice was no joke either. Um, You know, especially that falsetto. 
Um, for the 90s, I'd say Usher and Beyonce. Um, and they're still kind of holding the titles down. <laughs> um, and then the 2000s, I went with Adele and John Legend. Nice. Excellent. Those are fantastic choices. Oh, I love good voices. Um, what artists of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s uh, who are considered to be one-hit wonders do you feel like should have been bigger? Well, I said one of them already, Robbie Neville in the 80s should have been bigger. Um, you know, he had everything. He had the looks. He had the the catchy song. Like, I, I don't know why that didn't happen. Um, for the 90s, I, um, the New Radicals who did uh, Don't Give Up, which they reunited to play Joe and Kamala's uh, inauguration. Um, but that was really their only hit. And they were a pretty good group. And yeah. um, one of the, the girls in the group was, uh, she was a child star. She was on, uh, what show was it? Was it Mr. Belvedere, I want to say? She was on one of those shows from the 80s. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I also picked Ava Cassidy, which is a little bit of a cheat. She kind of wasn't a one-hit wonder. She Well, she charted after she died. Right. But she really should have been discovered beforehand and got a little bit of that you know recognition, I think. Um, so those were my 90s choices. And then 2000s, when I looked up one-hit wonders, you know, Narls Barkley is technically considered a one-hit wonder. Really? Yeah, that surprised me. I'm like, huh. Huh. but I guess so, because I think a lot of the songs I was thinking of was, was it Narls Barkley? It was either CeeLo or Goody Mob, so... Oh, okay. All right. That, 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 makes, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I feel like um Ava Cassidy gives has a very um Karen Carpenter vibe like yes, she wasn't absolutely. really appreciated until after she was gone yeah and um speaking of Karen Carpenter I just saw um uh I think was footage of her playing the drums and singing yeah. like I didn't even know she played the drums and she was good and do you know how hard it is to play the drums and sing at the same time? Like it's, guitar and guitar and piano lends itself to vocals. Yeah. Drums do not. <laughs> yeah, no. Especially to sing at her level, because it's one thing if Phil Collins is playing the drums and singing at the same time. I mean, you know, but he kind of sing talks. So that's there's not a big voice right. there. She has big chops, big vocal yes. chops. And nobody's Christmas album will put you through it like oh. the Carpenter's Christmas album will just absolutely wreck you. End you, will wreck you. Yeah, I mean, and her voice is so pure and it's interesting you mentioned her with Ava because I feel like she's the alto version of Ava, mm -hmm. right? Well, a Ava had the lyric soprano and, and Karen could hit the notes, but she was in the pocket in her alto. Yeah. So. What artists of the 80s 90s and 2000s do you still rock with today well for my 80s i'm still rocking with whitney mj prince the police and madonna's old stuff madonna kept releasing more new stuff and it, i don't connect to her new stuff but yeah or or even her new face i every time i see a picture of madonna i'm like who is that <laughs> um Let's see, the 90s, I mean, I just, you know, any kind of old school hip hop, you know, just, yeah. I, I love it all, Snoop and Dre and all of them. Um, 
And then 2000s, I mean, I feel like those are still the artists that we're dealing with now, right? Yeah. So like Adele, Beyonce, Rihanna, everybody I've kind of mentioned already. Um, uh, let's see, it'd be nice to see like who's coming up. Like my daughter's really into Chloe and Haley. Um, oh, I love them. Yeah. Beyonce protégés. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm glad she's getting some good taste here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I still, I mean, I just love music. If I, if, if I rocked with you, I'm probably still rocking with you because I, I'm not listening to what's trendy. I just listen to what I like. Yeah. Um, and that tends to be a lot of the older stuff. So. I feel that. Uh, what songs of the eighties, nineties and two thousands do you most relate to? Well, I'm kind of in my stay-at-home mom stage of life now, so um, so that's what I was kind of thinking of when I picked the songs I was picking, and I was clearly in a mood when I picked them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would pick these songs tomorrow, but for right now, with my daughter having just started school and having to get the house clean and get her homework checked and get dinner on the table, I was really feeling... 80s superwoman by what karen what was her last name i don't remember uh shit yeah oh god that's gonna bother me i'll look it up later but you know (laughs) breakfast on your table make sure your coffee has its sugar and cream like that's like she's singing about me (laughs) right um and then the 90s hold on to your love you know that's um in vogue uh, always in vogue and then 2000 survivor Karen White. Um, Karen White, thank you. Yes. Um, and I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think she was a housekeeper and she she was just singing while she was cleaning up and Terry Lewis heard her and signed her. Yeah. I think that's her story, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but then Survivor for uh, is what I picked for the 2000s. And I think that's those songs would be on a lot of mom lists right now. That's just the phase of life, right? <laughs> Where your, your time is not your own and you're frustrated by everybody and everything that's on your plate, but you got to do it anyway. So Nice. What was the great, or what were the greatest musical collaborations of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s? Well, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily pick the songs that I loved the most. I picked the collaborations I had wanted to see the most, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Because I think there are lots of good songs that are out there with the that are good collaborations that kind of make sense or whatever. But I love when two like A-list artists just come together and do the thing you didn't necessarily expect because like you expect Dre and uh, Snoop Dogg to work together, right? Like that's a, the, right. that's hardly the collaboration. They're almost in the same group. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it takes a lot to get, like I said, especially with the politics of music nowadays, it takes a lot to get A-list people known for their own individual things to come together and work together. And so I picked all of the songs I picked are like that. So um, I picked Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves because Annie Lennox yes. and Aretha, like, come on. Like, yeah. you know, that those were the two best voices in, in, in music, probably. I mean, Aretha had no competition and Annie's competition for the Blue-Eyed Souls probably just, uh, who's that, the, the woman from Heart, Ann Wilson. Uh, yeah, Ann Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. 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 
that's she's probably the only white woman that could come for Annie's neck. <laughs> and it's it's close. It is very close, right? <laughs> um, and um, and then in the '90s, all of us had been waiting for. And I don't particularly like the song that well. It's just that everybody had been waiting for Mariah and Whitney to either yeah. kill each other or do something together, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. They finally did when you believe. And I wish they picked a better song. It just musically speaking, it doesn't speak to me, but it's just that that happens at all. Right? Yeah. Um, especially since people kept trying to create some sort of rivalry or, you know, like make it seem like there was bad blood between them. And it doesn't seem like there was that was manufactured. But, um, but, and then the last one was Empire State of Mind. Alicia and Jay-Z I love that song and um I had moved from New York by that time and that song that was one of the few things that would come on the air and make me teary-eyed for how much I missed certain parts of my life I got to live when I was in New York excellent those are yes so we have come to the final question oh wow and this is the question (laughs) the most important question that you will answer in this time that we have spent together today wow so you can only (laughs) save one song from the 80s one song from the 90s okay and one song from the 2000s the rest are gone erased from history or ever i'm so glad this is not actually happening (laughs) because i would cry (laughs) so tell me what are the three songs from each of those decades that you will be saving well when when i hear 80s music or hear somebody mention 80s music this song is always near my top 10 and I feel a little guilty about it because I know the circumstances under which the song was produced are not ideal circumstances (laughs) but I mean Freddie Mercury and David Bowie after a coke binge doing under pressure yeah (laughs) you don't get more 80s than that (laughs) this is true that is true 80s (laughs) yes Let's do some coke and make some magic. That's the 80s. I was too young to participate. Um, but I remember growing up with it, right? Um, so, and then for the 90s, as much as I love old school hip hop, you, you know, I mean, that would be like, try to tell me to pick a favorite child, which I can do because I don't have one child, <laughs> but I have lots of old school hip hop babies. So I didn't even go with that genre. I'm saving this song because I feel like I, as a Gen Xer, have to have grunge represented. So we have to save Smells Like Teen Spirit or the whole genre dies. (laughs) This is fair. This is fair. And uh, and of course, for 2000s, you should already know the song that I'm obsessed with is In the Club. That beat. I have to save that beat (laughs) so that my body can move. All right. Solid answers to the final question. I like it. Yeah, but I would be really sad if all the music was gone. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have those three songs to listen to okay. for eternity. But think of all the variations you could make with those three songs. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, there was, uh, they used a cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit in the opening of Black Widow. Oh, wow. More recently, oh, yeah. and it, it goes pretty hard. 
have you heard Tori Amos's version of it? It's yes. unintentionally comical, but still kind of ethereal. It's really yeah. weird. <laughs> and then it was used, uh, part of the chorus was used in Moulin Rouge also. Oh, yeah. In... You know, that's coming to Broadway. I yeah. just saw a preview of it. Some late show had uh, the performers do uh, Roxanne. Nice. Um, so yeah, that that talk about a movie that was built to be a musical. Um, oh yeah, you know, and I'm surprised. I'm a little bit surprised because it seems like it would be so expensive because they use songs that everybody knows. I know they had to pay through the nose for those. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but I I feel like it's one of those things like that. You know, you buy you buy the usage rights for the run of the yeah. show, so you kind of save some money. Right. Okay. Um, so we have come to the end of the show. Uh, please Thanks. tell the folks listening at home and all over the world, who <laughs> are we fundraising for right now? We're still going hard for Val Demings and Sherry Beasley to get Black women in the Senate because this is our chance to both expand and diversify. And um, our fundraiser hit a huge milestone a few weeks ago. We hit a hundred grand. So we're nice. super excited about that. Um, and so now we're just going to see how far we can get it through the midterms. Um, so that is my pin tweet. So please uh, donate to that. Um, but we're also raising money for uh, Tim Ryan here in Ohio because we have to prevent J.D. Vance from getting that seat. No matter yeah. what. Um, Reverend Warnock in Georgia is another good uh, choice. Um, and again, you got to love the Reverend who doesn't love the Reverend, but even if you don't, you have to keep Herschel Walker out of that seat. Now yes. poor Herschel Walker, he, um, I actually feel bad for him because here, here's what he starts off not being that bright in the first place. Right. He's just not the brightest crayon in the box. Um, and he's got, he's diagnosed with disassociative identity disorder. He wrote an entire book about that, which we used to call multiple personality disorder, but he has yeah. that documented. And on top of that, he must have CTE um, because one of his alts is violent and typically they're not. But, so, but uh, we know that people who have had CTE do have uh, violent histories like Aaron Hernandez and uh, Chris Henry, who was a bingo who died tragically. Um, but that can only be diagnosed after somebody's dead. So you can only, but we have a strong suspicion. So yeah. here's this person who's deficient in all of these ways, like that he's just plain unfit and everybody knows it, but because of his name recognition, the GOP thinks they can prop him up and use him as a puppet. And I think it's really sick and sad to be using a person in this way. And so when Herschel says things that are all, you know, just out of bounds and crazy, I don't even blame him for that. He shouldn't be being put in this position. There are people who know better who are exploiting him and that's not right. And we should not be playing a part of that. Yeah. And, you know, they're to that point, he's, he's being fed these things to say. Exactly. And but he doesn't you know, have the discernment, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's somebody who could commit a crime and get off uh, because he will be found unfit to have had, uh, right you know, the mental processes in place to understand what he's doing. And so if that works for crime, it certainly works for other aspects of your life, right? <laughs> right. So 
So being a senator, being a United States senator is maybe, you know, one of the most powerful positions in the world. Maybe we don't give power to somebody with those deficiencies. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sound ableist, but we don't let colorblind people fly planes either, right? Right. (laughs) There's there's safety and other issues at play. And when you're talking about somebody who pulled a gun on his ex-wife and therapist in a session, maybe we don't want him to be around the most powerful people in the world and have him have an episode because what, yeah. what could possibly go wrong? Um, so, yeah. So I would say Val Deming, Sherry Beasley, Reverend Warnock uh, over Herschel Walker, uh, Tim Ryan over JD Vance. Um, I feel like there's another one I'm missing. Who is it in Wisconsin? It's Mandela Barnes. Mandela Barnes. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Those are the people I would give money to. And then Beto for governor, of course. Um, yes. and, uh, and Charlie Crist for governor, of course. Because if we could nip DeSantis in the bud to stave off him even thinking about a presidential run, that would make me very, very happy. Because imagine if Trump were smart. Like that's what DeSantis is. Yeah. <laughs> because he's more evil than Trump. Trump is just a bankrupt, you know, person devoid of intellect he's just a malignant narcissist that other people are propping up DeSantis really has it in him to be a despot that he's already doing that to Florida and he knows how to implement his despotic urges in a way Trump never did so that's dangerous and uh tell the folks at home where they can uh find you on the social media Okay, so you can find me on the Twitter machine um, at Michelle B. Young one. I believe that's my handle. <laughs> my pin yes. tweet is about Val and Sherry. Um, and so you can donate there. Um, you know, um, I try to keep it light and funny um, and also political. But, uh, you know, I just try to create my the little twitter version of the world that i want to see so that's lots of animal videos and snarky <laughs> politics and you know the occasional dick joke or whatever <laughs> well michelle thank you as always uh it, it has been that such a joy by, especially given that we did every decade <laughs> yeah right we we just covered 30 40 years of music and i know right <laughs> in an hour um but i uh, we will we will talk soon as there Absolutely. are other projects in the works that michelle yes. will be a part of so yes. stay tuned folks and we will see you next time all right happy belated birthday sweetie thank you Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. This has been a Rod Wharton production. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without explicit consent.